0: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco, along with your host, James Rapine. Today we're going to start the show with a little recap of Bengal Jim's rally to the hall. Jim and a contingent of Bengals fans and Willie Anderson were up in Canton. And I want to talk a little bit about what went on up there. Then we'll wrap up the offseason program. The coordinators gave their last press conferences. The last time we're going to hear from them until training camp just late last week. So we'll talk about what they had to say, what players had to say, and our big takeaways as the Bengals have wrapped up until late July. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you. James, let's get started by talking about the Bengals rally to the hall that Bengal Jim and many other Bengals fans participated in. Went up to Canton. There was a special Bengals exhibit up there. They visited Massillon and and Paul Brown's house, the the house that Paul Brown Brown built, I should say. But the focus for me, certainly there's a lot of conversation about Ken Riley, Ken Anderson, but the guy that was there with them was Willie Anderson. And the coolest thing I saw was there were a few videos made for these guys, and one of them was from the, the Bengals UK podcast group, those guys made a cool video in support of Ken Riley, Ken Anderson, and Willie Anderson. But Michael Strahan made a little video of just Mike Strahan talking into a camera about how good Willie Anderson was, really stumping for Willie a little bit, talking about his pass blocking, talking about his run blocking prowess, talking about his times going up against Willie, and it made Willie emotional. Willie was was moved and there's a good video or or photo on Bengal Jim's timeline showing Willie's reaction. when you have Hall of Famer stumping for Willie Anderson, that's heartwarming to see as a Bengals fan.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the whole event was awesome. I thought it was amazing that Willie Anderson could be there in person. And shout out to Bengal Jim for getting these guys to speak about Bengals' greats right getting michael strahan who's probably the biggest you know like had, has had carved out such a, a hall of fame post football career right and, and obviously we know what he did on the football field and won a super bowl with the giants and it uh having him in in his brand back willie anderson is huge but they had some other hall of famers too back ken riley and and back ken anderson and and that's that's what i keep coming back to is i can't believe the the support he was able to, to generate. And it wasn't just him. And he'd be the first to tell you that. And him as in Bengal gym, but, uh, I agree with you though, having Michael Strahan talk about it and getting Willie Anderson up there, just such a, a huge thing and awesome for the hundreds of Bengals fans that were up there in Canton.
0: Did you see the, uh, the picture Willie posted? He's like, I screwed up guys. I accidentally wore the wrong colors. In Cincinnati, he's walking out of I think his hotel, wherever he was, with the with the yellow shirt and black shorts. He's like, I had to go back and change.
1: <laughs> I'm glad he caught himself. Right, that would have been uh, that would have been a little rough as he poses with fans in Steelers Steelers colors.
0: <laughs> he did. He did wear an orange shirt, of course, for the actual event. There's a ton of good pictures out there. I want to shout out Joe Goodberry's work real quick because Willie shouted out Joe. And and I know I'm very focused on Willie Anderson and it's because he was a guy that was there. I know this event was, as James, you pointed out, there there was good support for the two Kens as well. But Joe was doing some research, helping Jim with a, a video, it sounds like. And uh, on June 16th, Joe has a, a nice Twitter thread. And his conclusion from that thread is that not only is is Willie Anderson is a, a deserving Hall of Famer, but or or you know one of the best right tackles of his time, whatever it is. Joe's conclusion, the last tweet, is forget his generation. Willie Anderson is the best right tackle in modern football history, and and what he did to back it up is he went and looked for the the honors that Hall of Fame candidates typically have. So for example. He had three straight first-team All-Pros in an era when the only people getting first-team All-Pro that played tackle were left tackles. And how rare is that, he asked. How rare is it for a right tackle to be a three-straight-time 3, three first-team All-Pro? The answer was the last one before Willie was Dan Dierdorf in the 1970s, Ron Yeri and Rayfield Wright also in the 70s. All three of those guys in the Hall of Fame. And it hasn't been done since Willie Anderson did it. No one's done it since Willie Anderson played at right tackle to be named a three straight time first team All-Pro player. And it goes beyond that, too. If you look at All-Pro and Pro Bowl honors during Anderson's career, for example, just talking about that All-Pro thing, 95 All-Pro tackles while Willie played, 84 of them were left tackles. 84 out of 95 all pro tackles in Willie Anderson's career were left tackles. That's a crazy bias. And yes, at the time, maybe better tackles were playing left tackle. But as Willie's pointed out many times, he's faced a lot of the top guys in the game at right tackle. Only eight of those all pro tackles were right tackles. He was
1: great. (laughs) I mean, it's that simple. He was great. And that's the part that hopefully events like this can fix is, Willie Anderson, absolutely. Hopefully he, uh, he gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Ken Riley, Ken Anderson. But hopefully the Bengals – and it isn't just the Bengals. You're right. There is some right tackle bias there. But hopefully the, the events like this and the Ring of Honor and things like that and success on the field in general can help change the perception enough to, to where – Jonah Williams, if he ends up having a Hall of Fame career, isn't going through the same trouble, right? Or name that player X that they draft in 2023 that puts up Hall of Fame numbers. Or Jamar Chase, if he puts up Hall of Fame numbers, doesn't struggle to get into the Hall of Fame when his career is said and done. And that, that's the part of it. Like Willie is had to go through it right a bit. Ken Anderson even longer. Ken Riley as well. And you just hope that they can get it right moving forward. But yeah, you're not going to hear any debate from me about uh, you know, Big Willie getting into the Hall of Fame. And uh, that's the the downside, I think, especially to those lost 90s years and early 2000s. And I'm not saying Willie wasn't great after that, right, on that 05 team and stuff. Uh, even in Baltimore for his lone year, I think he was uh, a very productive player. But the point is, it gets lost in the conversation, that lost decade of sorts. And it uh, it impacts things. So hopefully... He, uh, he gets in and, and Michael Strahan, his voice, I, I really can't think, let me ask you this. Do you think there's a better player, voice-wise, platform-wise, to endorse Willie Anderson than, than a guy like Michael Strahan, given what he's done not only on the football field but off of it?
0: No, I mean, the, the guys played against each other. And Michael Strahan is a Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do what he did. And, and Willie pointed out Warren Sapp is another guy that said Willie Anderson's one of the best to ever do it. I mean, those are two of the best defensive linemen to ever play in the NFL. And both of them have supported Willie Anderson's candidacy for the Hall of Fame. So, you know, maybe we're closer on this than we think, James. Maybe this is going to happen when when you have players like that and and you're getting this kind of recognition and, you know, coaches talking about Willie's greatness and some of the stats they have. Strahan really stressing that 16 sacks and... 13 years. I mean, that's that's nuts. Willie's pass blocking record fantastic and obviously blocked for some of the most prolific rushing games in Bengals history. So hopefully we're close. Do you think we're close? Oh, I
1: I hope so. The optimistic side of me says yes. At the same time, I, I want to see it. And it's one of those believe it when you see it. And yeah, I, I certainly hope that we're talking about Bengals and Canton and I'm going up there. Uh, to, to cover, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame induction ceremony in the near future, because that would be a lot of fun.
0: Let's just see some biases get thrown out of this Hall of Fame selection process. Too many Steelers, too many Raiders, too many Cowboys, not enough Bengals. That, that's where I'm at. Coming up next, James, let's wrap up the off season program as the Bengals. Well, they're not back until late July.
1: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA playoffs in full swing. Down goes Brooklyn. Can the Bucks make it all the way to the NBA Finals? You can bet on that in all of the NBA action in one spot. BetOnline.ag. Plus, baseball season in full swing. You got the NHL, MMA, plenty to get into at betonline.ag. Plus, if you want to bet on the Bengals future, you can do that as well. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code Locked On. Again, promo code Locked On will get you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
0: The biggest and most obvious takeaway from the Bengals offseason program, Joe Burrow, participating. You remember when before OTAs started, James, and we talked about, hey, do you think Joe Burrow is going to do anything? Remember that conversation? Yeah. And, and here we are a month later. And I would say he participated, right? <laughs> right. It's it's crazy to think about because a month ago, if you would have
1: said, all right, what is the best case scenario for OTAs and minicamp?" from a joe burrow perspective and what by the way the bengals best case scenario is joe burrow's best case scenario because they're hand in hand it would be joe's out there he's making throws he's participating daily and and yeah we know he's not fully cleared but he's going through it i think that's what we saw is a best case scenario for joe burrow no setbacks no known this no known that he seemed to continually do more and more and more as each week and each day went on. Obviously we had to monitor it by week because it was only open to the media every Tuesday, but it seemed like he was ramping things up and doing more and more and more. And so now Jake, I don't really think we're talking about week one much now. My question is, will he be cleared for camp? And I think if I had to put bet odds on it, they would be more in favor of him being cleared for camp and cleared for contact ahead of training camp than the the other side of things, which I wouldn't have said a month ago.
0: You think that he's – so so you, you're saying that you think that it's more likely that he's cleared than not? Or it's just more likely way. than it was before?
1: No, I feel like he's more likely than not going to be cleared for camp. Like I think he is trending in that direction. That doesn't mean he's going to play in the preseason and do a, a a crap ton of stuff on day one of camp you know, and have guys, you know, near him leg wise, like they may take their own precautions. But yeah, if I had to guess right now, and it's a guess, I'm not talking to Joe Burrow behind the scenes. Let me make that very clear. I would bet that he's probably cleared for camp.
0: Fully cleared. You're saying fully cleared. Yes. Okay. So the Bengals players coaches will probably be back for camp in about one month. And the last we heard from Joe Burrow, he told us that he still has three months of rehab to go. And again, we've talked about this. I think he was rounding up. I think he's, you know, he's, he's obviously said, and the team seems pretty confident that he'll be ready for week one, but we're only a month away, James, from, from the start of training camp. And then there's about, you know, a month of camp or so before we get to the regular season in, in late August, right? So I don't know if he's going to be fully cleared for camp. I think he'll participate in camp. But when we say, like, fully medically cleared, you're out of the woods, you're 100%. I mean, that's what we're talking about here, right? Or, or yeah, am I misunderstood?
1: Yeah, I, I just... No, cl- clear, cleared for contact. That doesn't mean he's not going to still do rehab exercises or still strengthen the knee. Like, he may still have to do some of that stuff and be cleared for contact. Um, and, and so, th- like, that's the thing. It's like, give him the... Check the box to... Yeah, if he's playing in the... To me, I think he's going to be able to play in preseason games medically, right? Mm. And he's going to be able to do everything on camp that everybody else is doing in camp. Quarterbacks don't get hit in camp anyway yeah. in practice. So, you know, that's part of it. But I think he'll be, yeah, I, if again, if I had to put odds, and it's not like crazy, it probably 60-40, and we might not even find out that he's fully cleared. But I, I think that's his goal now, is it, his benchmark. We talked about week one a ton. But I think it's, all right, be cleared for camp. And I get he he said the three month thing. He he does not have three months of rehab. Like, like that's past week one by by now, as we talked about.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would put him a little bit past week one. I mean, I hope you're right. Uh, he, here, I think I'm on the opposite side. I don't know if he's quite fully cleared at the beginning of training camp, but who knows what happens in a month, right? I I just. I mean, we have less information about this one than we did in OTAs and OTAs. My opposite feeling to yours was based on Jesse Bates comments and the, the Joe Burrow eagerness to throw and the fact that we saw him doing some throwing uh, in Southern California. So this time I, I think we're guessing and I hope you're right. I, I just uh, I don't quite have that level of confidence that he's fully cleared in a month. I think I think like sometime during training camp is, is where I expect it right now. But again, we're kind of like guessing at rehab and medical questions right now. And this is why Zach Taylor, you know, has famously or infamously refused to predict injury timelines at this point because it's really a fool's game a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I, I went back just to see like what Burrow said in before OTA. So this is. On May 25th, he said, "Hopefully, I should be full go in camp. That's my goal. Maybe a little limited, but I hope not. And and then after that, it's clear to play. So I guess if I'm being specific, I I would not be shocked at all if he is full go in camp. Again, he's not going to get hit in practices. And you got three more weeks until uh, after camp starts until preseason stuff. So that's where I'm. If if I had to bet, and I wouldn't have bet that on the day he said it." I would think that that happens just based on watching him, how he's moving, all of that stuff. It just seems like that's going to happen. And I know he's got to make a a little more progress, but he's got a month and some change to do so. And I think he's going to do it.
0: Yeah, I think the the big question is when does he start participating in 11 on 11? Like that's when you'll know that they're comfortable with Mm -hmm. him maybe dealing with some incidental contact. When do they put him out there for? The, the full team walkthroughs, you know, where Trey Hendrickson, according to Zach Taylor, doesn't know how to do a walkthrough. He he just likes to go. Uh, so uh, I'm joking, obviously, a little bit there. But, yeah, I think those will be the, the telltale signs, right, is when do they put him in a situation where there could be some incidental contact? When are they comfortable with him going through handoff drills and stuff like that? And, and maybe that's early in camp, but I don't know if they'll Hopefully. even put him in that situation early in camp. Like it might be the second, third week. And I think that would still be reasonable. Sure. I mean, there's no,
1: I don't think there's any right or wrong way. It depends on where he's at, where the medical staff thinks he's at and what they decide as an organization. But I think it's important if they decide and they should decide all this, honestly, before I, I personally, I think they should have a lot of the, the preseason stuff decided Before they get into camp and they get into all the games, you know, this week, what should we do? If he's not going to do preseason games, the 11 on 11 stuff becomes that much more important. Right. And so hopefully you're seeing that earlier rather than later. So then maybe they see him in 11 on 11 and they're like, man, he's good. We don't need to play him in the preseason, which I don't think anyone would be upset about, including (laughs) including Zach Taylor and that, that entire organization. That's probably the way they're leading. If I had to guess,
0: it's certainly seen that way. When Zach Taylor was asked the question, he said, "You know, it's still an open conversation. We'll reevaluate it in a month. But I have a I have a preference. I'm not going to tell you guys what it is. But <laughs> like when he says it, it's like, yeah, you don't want him to play. We get it, Coach. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some things that are not Joe Burrow's knee and its return to health, because there's something like 85 other players on this roster right now. I don't think they've quite capped out at 90." I guess I should be tracking that more closely. I don't actually know if they're 90. I think they're a little bit south of 90 right now, but a whole lot of other players trying to make this team or trying to solidify their spot or trying to come back from injury and coaches that are trying to find a way in their third year to chart a winning season out for this Cincinnati Bengals football team. So let's talk about our remaining offseason takeaways coming up next.
1: Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the planet. We talk about them all the time here on Lockdown Bengals. They have nine delicious flavors, including coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, mint brownie, and they even have the limited edition flavors. And look, if you're new to Built Bar, you haven't heard about them, think about an amazing protein bar covered in 100% chocolate. They're low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. So whether it's a midday snack, a post-workout protein punch, or maybe you're just trying to shed a few LBs, you can do it with Built Bar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, you're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com.
0: This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's really hard for your chain store to stock all the parts you need. You endure pointless questioning, like is it an Odyssey LX or EX? And wait while the person behind the counter looks up your parts and orders them in for you because they don't have them in the store anyway. Well, you can do that yourself at rockauto.com. You can save money too. For example, staying on that Honda Odyssey, if you need a new fuel pump, it's going to be $353 from your chain store, but just $216 from Rock Auto. It's a family business. that has been servicing do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. So go check out those reliably low prices on their extremely easy to use website. Everything from brake parts to motor oil and tail lamps. Go check them out right now at rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com.
1: Jake, we talk a lot about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and the Bengals offense on this podcast, but let's flip sides. Let's talk about Luana Rumo, the Bengals defense, and what is very much a prove it year. They've spent a lot of money on that side of the ball over the past two off seasons, obviously focused on replenishing the defensive line in the draft. And one guy... And I I think a lot of Bengals fans think about linebacker maybe a little bit more than we do. But one guy that the Bengals are banking on to take a bunch of steps forward this year is Logan Wilson, the third-round pick from Wyoming in 2020. And so far, so good in that department. Lou Anarumo last week praising Logan Wilson on his communication. He said for a young guy, when you think about it, he missed the games he missed last year. He didn't have an offseason, didn't have a spring and he's done very well, and he continues to communicate at a, lot, a high level. Also mentioned that Jermaine Pratt has communicated better, and uh, both of those guys are trying to get everyone else in the right position. So who knows? But I know there's a lot of questions about linebacker when we do our, our weekend mailbag, and there are fans that are thinking about linebacker because you look at that depth chart, and it certainly is like, ooh, bunch of unproven young guys. But uh, two that stood out, one guy in Pratt, who I think is a huge question mark after his year two, and then a guy in Wilson, who I think a lot of people are banking on and hoping that takes a big step forward.
0: Did you know that Logan Wilson is about two months younger than Jermaine Pratt? I knew they were probably close in age. He's 24 now, right, Wilson? Wilson turns 25 in July. July 8th, he'll be 25. Jermaine Pratt just turned 25 in May. So about two months apart. And Jermaine Pratt has a couple years of NFL experience there. And this is why when they drafted Logan Wilson last year, one of the things I talked about with him coming from Wyoming, big jump in competition level for an older prospect coming out. Played his rookie season at 24 years old. He's been 24 since last July. So obviously played his rookie season at 24. Same age Jermaine Pratt played last year in his second season. So both of these guys have, I I guess, still some youth on their side, right? But when you come into the league a little bit older, especially the way Logan Wilson did, you need to see that year two leap. So communicating is one thing that's great. And, and getting guys in the same spot, displaying that command of the defense, that understanding of what's going on around you, being that on-field coach, that's an important role for a defense. And if these guys can do that or are becoming more comfortable doing that and understanding what Lou Anarumo wants, that is an important step. But equally important and, and perhaps even more important, actually, and something that we we won't really see until they actually start playing football. Is are they processing information quickly enough? Right? Are they doing their jobs properly on plays? Do they have the eye discipline? Do they do they have that ability to quickly process their keys at the speed of the NFL game and, and do their job, right? Both guys have enough athleticism to be solid NFL linebackers, and that's all they really need to be. But a lot of that's going to come down to how do they react in game situations. And that's really what both guys still need to prove. And Logan Wilson had those flashes. I think more flashes than Jermaine Pratt did. So that's why Bengals fans are probably a little bit higher there. But when we talk about linebackers, the Bengals are only going to have two on the field. And it might be these two guys a lot of the time. You might see Akeem Davis-Gaither more as a sub-package role. And if it's these two guys, there's a lot riding on him, right? Because the depth behind them, as we've discussed, is is not terribly impressive.
1: No, it's not. And the other part of this is is how bad linebacker has been. And so they invest multiple day two picks on the position in back-to-back drafts, three of their seven draft selections in the 2020 draft, like you need to see the fruits of that investment start to, to pay off a bit and blossom here. And that doesn't mean that I'm saying Logan Wilson has to be a pro bowler or Jermaine Pratt has to be the best linebacker in the AFC North or anything like that for either guy. But can they be competent? Right? Because what I need to see from, Logan Wilson is a guy who, yeah, he can make those plays, but he can be consistent enough to where you know what you're going to get, play in, play out. And that's kind of where I think Lou Anarumo is at with this entire defense. We talked to him uh, about the cornerback room, too, and Trey Waynes, another guy who comes in with expectations, different because he it's more expectations based on his contract. But I said, hey, look, what do you need from Trey Waynes this year? And he said consistency. And I think that's the thing that bothered them a lot about a guy like uh, William Jackson III that really has hurt them defensively over the past couple of years. And that includes Luana Anarumo. So we'll see if he can be consistent as a coach, if this defense can be consistent. But that that's certainly something uh, – a word that they're going to use a ton, I think, when training camp opens up and we're talking to them about their goals and what they want – these guys to be and develop into.
0: And this is why I wanted to talk about the defense today because it's such a mystery. You got this entirely new cornerback unit, including Trey Waynes, and you've got this entirely new defensive line rotation with Hendrickson and Osai. And I guess you do have the, the return of DJ Reader and the return of, of Sam Hubbard. But you look at every level of this defense, the only thing that's going to look the same And I know the NFL has a lot of changes year over year everywhere, but the only thing that's going to look the same from a high level contributor perspective on this defense is the safeties. And yeah, I know that the linebacker unit is going to be a lot of the same guys too. Only Josh Bynes is left, but the linebackers were just, just some guys out there last year anyway. And so we're looking for a step there. We talked about the linebackers and outside of the linebacker play, we're looking at a big mystery, James. And, and there's a lot of optimism around a lot of the new players they've brought in and the fact that these players have apparently bought in to what Lou Anarumo is selling. And, and this is true of the whole team, not just the defense, but this is perhaps if, if Joe Burrow weren't hurt, and I've said this before, this would be the story of the offseason, I think. You know, Jamar Chase first overall pick that that you make in the draft, the the first round pick you make in the draft is always going to be a story. The offensive line always going to be a story, but the offensive line will be less of a story if Burrow didn't get hurt. And we would be talking about this defense that is totally overhauled and in many, many ways from coaching to new players to, in some cases, up front, front seven schematic transformations Still, a bit of a question mark in terms of what we should be expecting
1: to see, and that's why I think this off season was so crucial, having in- person stuff, getting ten practices in, and being able to realize that Trey Hendricks and, yeah, his motor continues even in walkthrough, right? Because you can hear those things. but when you see these guys in person and can work with them, even a guy like Trey Waynes, who again, Got hurt. You didn't see him much. You, you didn't get any OTAs or minicamp with him in person last offseason. And so you don't really know who he is. And you get to see him go up against Jamar Chase. You get to see Chidobe Awuzie. You get to see these guys out there. I think that's going to help the coaching staff. It's going to help these guys feel more comfortable. And hopefully, and this is what Luana Rumo said, that they set a foundation so they don't have to take three steps back when they come into training camp and they can kind of hit the ground running. And that's probably the goal for all 32 teams in their offseason program. And the Bengals feel like they did enough. And we'll see if that that pays off when training camp opens in late July.
0: So many storylines to track. So many storylines that we will revisit when training camp opens up. The defensive stuff we've just talked about, the offensive line, Joe Burrow, the three-headed monster of wide receivers that the Bengals are going to throw at teams, the recovery of Trey Hopkins, the recovery of C.J. Uzama. All these players that we need to see more of and we're excited to see again or see for the first time. We'll have plenty of time to talk about all of that. Might get some deep dives into some position groups in the next few weeks. Going to have some guests. Going to have some mailbags. And then training camp will be upon us about a month away. And just a reminder, we are still on three days a week until training camp. So if you need more from James and myself, go check out those Locked on NFL podcasts. You'll still get five episodes then to fill out your week. You can get James on those shows on Wednesdays, myself on Thursdays. So there's plenty of content out there for everybody. And until next time, Bengals fans, day. Have a good one.